Welcome to Leprity, your weekly destination to hear about what happened in the hospitality industry around the world last week. I'm Miriam and this is Nish. Hello everyone. We dig through hundreds of newspapers, so you basically don't have to. <laughs> we'll also keep you updated on global events, share insight from academia and what softwares are currently changing the industry. Of course, we, um, we try to stick to facts, but... Uh... We also add our personal spin and worldview to it. So thank you for joining this discussion between two friends who love the hospitality industry. What do you think, Mish? Are we going to start? I think so. After trying at least 10 times to do the first <laughs> attempt at the intro, let's, let's go for it. So what have you dug up this week, Miriam? Uh, tell us. I definitely think you should start with one of your sources. Okay. So... So, um, we, um, we saw kind of a repetition of news this week, uh, in fact, connected to Disney. Now, uh, at its core, it's not as, you know, maybe not as uh, exciting of a news, but it's pretty interesting, I think, for those of you who, who know Disney as kind of the, the best practices hospitality brand, the one that creates the ultimate experiences and so on and so forth. Well, apparently, if you guys have listened to our previous episodes, they're not doing too well, so their stock price has dropped. However, this week, uh, quite a few financial media newspapers were excited about what Disney is doing. <laughs> Guess what? They basically uh, hired a, um, a CEO from 2002-22. Well, they hired him back. And uh, that CEO is basically doing two things. So they are cost-cutting, <laughs> the most exciting thing for any stock investor. And they also have stated that they will go back to the roots or basically try to focus on the things they do best. Now, this is basically um, rooted in, in a, the idea that the streamlining service that they have been doing isn't doing too well. So it's actually not really generating a lot of profit. So they, in fact, yeah. they're just dumping a lot of money into it. And some of the recent movies they've made, like the Indiana Jones uh, movie, basically have failed. So it's kind of like a, you know, a pileup of different situations that is uh, putting them at a, um, at a disadvantage at the moment. So what do you think, Miriam? I mean, to me, the, this, this part of news was uh, quite interesting because this very similar thing happened to Disney around 2008. They were basically, they did a bunch of movies and cartoons that didn't really work out well. The Disneyland himself was, uh, well, several of them were not really doing well because of uh, the financial crisis. And they had to, you know, re-envision themselves back then. Mm. So. I mean, I mean, Disney also has lots of hotels and stuff like that. Do you know about their performance? Were they impacted as well? Uh, as you might know, uh, remember a few weeks back, we looked up how they, for example, closed the Star Wars hotel. Mm. Uh, the very sad news that, you know, the ultimate Star Wars experience where you, in the hotel, everybody's dressed like the Star Wars characters, everybody walks around and does things as if you are in the universe, but they're basically closing that down. And I think they're planning to save around a billion US dollars on just closing a bunch of different um, things like that, precisely because they were not being profitable. Oof, that's basically going to cost a lot of jobs as well, huh? True, true. But uh, I mean, that's that's what cost cutting is in the end, right? <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Yes. Still, no, still. to me, to me, it's interesting just to see how what will what Disney will be like in ten years, right? Mm. Because what effectively they've done is they've they've bought Marvel Universe, and they've created basically a multi-billion-dollar business by uh, you know creating all the Avenger movies and so on and so forth. They've mm. um, 
they've opened up, for example, uh, Disneyland across the world. For example, one in Shanghai. So now it's, it's the question of uh, what's next. What are they supposed to do that will make them work? I mean, mm. one definitely doesn't doubt the fact that they are indeed one of the best hotel businesses out there, right? Even though, <laughs> yeah, it's a huge experience and yeah, completely like a cult. How do you say not cult? <laughs> What's the word? Um, it's 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 culture. very culture. Oh my god! I mean culture. God. It's, it's definitely yeah. It's, a, it's such a huge cultural movement, basically. Yes, I mean I'm one of them, right? Being a Star Wars fan, technically it doesn't start in Disney, right? But Disney owns it now, so. <laughs> so now I, yeah. Now I have to sense. now I have to like Mickey Mouse as well. <laughs> <laughs> on that news, I think we can move on to a piece of uh, something that happened that you found all out. All right, all right. Yes, I am. I'm. I this this week is really fun. I think um, it has a lot to do um, with anti-consumer bans and alleged... Anyway, so a senator in the US, her name is Lindsey Graham, and Elizabeth Warren were criticizing Google and the other tech giants to kind of have bias on their search engines towards their own products. So they're kind of impacting the consumer behavior um, because they have such um, a monopoly. And I find it int very interesting and I wanted to talk to you about it because, right, Google has slowly kind of built up their their hospitality offer with like Google Hotels and Google Flights and all of that. So, because <laughs> I sometimes don't think further, as you know me, <laughs> I, was, I was literally kind of like, oh yeah, of course, they can just kind of like, skew what they show me and these because I always just watch the first or look at the first pages um, they can completely like impact all the behavior it's not like it's new to me but I just thought it was interesting to have a discussion with you about it um, and the senators are kind of proposing that there's going to be a separate entity that will control um, or kind of audit the big tech firms on on whether they kind of yeah impact the market for their own benefit it's hard to to deal with this right it's not like um well standard oil right if you if mm. that was the the case the company that actually created anti-monopoly laws um what happened was basically they just split it up into 12 companies and for example exxon mobile was one of them and Exxon mm. is one of the biggest oil companies so you can imagine how standard oil how big that was um but would with Google, I mean, what do you split? You can't have Google one, Google two, Google three. It's it's just still Google, um, even though they have all the side projects. But but we're talking about the search engine here. There was actually a similar case. Uh, I mean, Europe is kind of busy doing this for a while now, right? There's been a mm. case. I remember almost already ten years ago. I think. Um, uh, do listeners correct me if I'm wrong? But um, the there was basically a series of meta comparison websites in Germany that you basically go there and you can kind of get a comparison of prices for different websites, or you can get a comparison of search engines for different websites. So it was like a meta website for meta websites, right? Mm -hmm. um, and Google was actually effectively trying to basically exclude them or not put them up as high. And mm -hmm. uh, this website noticed that because it basically happened from one day to another and a group of them sued Google. And I think they won in, in, in Europe. So they Google had to basically kind of let that go but how do you know they did right that oh, you, really? it, you have no access to the to the to the, to the so does it even make sense 
to come up with a lot like that. I mean, there's they have so much power to choose what they want to show and what they don't know. So I mean, for hospital, I mean that's the point, right? I think a hospitality business is so much dependent on where it shows up on Google, and you know what price comparisons are being shown. I think it's such a big impact it can really make or break the business too. And if I think let's say it's the price is marginal difference and it's further up or it's easier to see on Google, most people will buy that because it's quick and it makes sense and it's right. I mean, this has been in a conversation for a long time, I think. question. I don't think it... Well, as far as I know, uh, and your article seems to show that as well, uh, nobody's quite sure how to fight this. Right? Mm. There is the obvious competition between a few search engines like the one in you know, the Baidu of China and the Google of the Western world, but um, mm. that's about it. Um, Google has definitely defeated almost every other search engine, so the question is if the people will at some point just get bored of it, maybe, um, or they will think they would want to look something else up i think the, 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 there's not much we can do here uh, except really for except if a government really forces its way into the you know google offices and gets full access to the algorithm and basically <laughs> reinforces that the google is not allowed to up or down any results right and that but that means but that's such a complicated conversation because the way google works right is each search engine even optimizes the results for you as an individual based on your search results. So your search mm. results would be different from mine, meaning that do they have to turn that off as well? Or um, so <laughs> it's a yeah. pretty hard topic. But obviously, somebody is if somebody in Google is sitting there and actively putting down, let's say, Booking.com um, below the results of Google Travel, then uh, that's a pretty easy decision for maybe for example for the European Trust Commission or. For the for the U.S. Uh, anti-monopoly regulators to actually just say no, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, yeah, could be. As I easy mean, as I, that. I just thought, yeah, it was also interesting to get it to talk about it once more, for sure. Um, Whatever it is, it will definitely have uh, consequences for the rest of us, right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's also just good to talk about it to have it like more, kind of in the front of my mind and not in the back. Um, so I've seen going through your news. I've seen you. You you wrote, um, "Are the Chinese coming?" Um, what do you want to say by that? <laughs> are you accusing me of something, Miriam? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> what do we have to say here? Please <laughs> speak up. Uh, no. Uh, funny enough, uh, right? I always try to catch kind of a common theme of that week's news, and I've been looking mm. at it, and I found at least three, four different news coming from China or related to China from these different news sources, um, somehow related to basically one topic, and that is, what is going on with the Chinese? Mm-hmm. <laughs> In fact, uh, the more relevant new piece of news for the, the hospitality professionals, right, is are they still coming back to Europe? Are they coming back to the United States? Are they going to fill up our hotels and fill up our wonderful boats and buses and trains <laughs> and mm. buy up all the souvenirs? And the quite honest answer is, no, people don't really know. <laughs> but uh, this week, I mean, there has been a, a bit of a sort of, let's say, a bit of a more clarity on this. In fact, um, there's been a, a study or a survey of the sort of the consensus amongst the Chinese. What did they want to do? As you might have uh, remember, a few weeks ago, we were looking into the sort of the local traveler. Um, a lot of Chinese and Japanese were planning to travel, or our millennials groups from those, from those areas were planning to travel locally, Pacific mm-hmm. Asia, because, you know, it was easy, it was um, interesting, and they realized that there's a lot of opportunity there. However, 
this week, the survey showed that people are actually more interested again to travel outside to sort of the Western world. In fact, 54% of the people surveyed said, yep, we would like to go somewhere else. Nonetheless, uh, first of all, there will be likely a lot, a whole lot less Chinese going to the United States uh, because of the geopolitical the political tensions, right? And Chinese don't want to mm. go to the United States. And simply because the air connections or the, the flight routes are not there to facilitate okay. a huge traffic because they just they were not never restarted, basically. Okay. And... Um, well, we can later, once we're done with hospitality, there was basically the other side of this news, right? Which is what is going on economically with China. And um, because kind of what, what whatever happens there will likely impact the rest of us v- within margins, right? But still probably noticeable. I think you should go into it right away. I think it's a great... Well, let's, uh, sure, let's try to do that. So, um, I mean, obviously, right, the Chinese, whatever, any country, whatever people are doing, it's in her, at its core impacted maybe by the fact that they have money or they feel safe, right? And so the question is, well, what is actually going on with the Chinese economy? And um, The Economist actually wrote a pretty good article trying to summarize quite a few sources this week or quite a few statistics um, as to what are kind of what is the current status quo of the Chinese economy. So first of all, the GDP, it only grew, <laughs> quote unquote, by 6.4%. Only. <laughs> only. I was just going to say, oh, yeah. so, how I much mean, does Germany's grow per year? <laughs> around two. But, um, <laughs> right, only, but the expectation was higher. So mm. that's already raising alarm bells. Um, mm-hmm. There's also been kind of pub- public uproar and a few public individuals and a few newspapers were trying to say that while the GDP statistics seem to be high, uh, we feel like everything is going down, to which the government basically effectively said, well, the statistics are right, so if you're not happy, maybe you should change your feelings. <laughs> That's is... what you say to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, yeah. I don't know, I'm so authoritarian. That's what, That's what you say to me when I try to question your data. Well, <laughs> I'll make sure maybe I don't behave like that <laughs> next time, because this is obviously... Quite ignorant of the, you know, of the, of the, of the feelings of the actual people who live in the country, and then there is basically a bunch of other, a bunch of other statistics, right? For example, um, so unemployment is relatively low, but um, we're not sure yet. It is also pretty low in other countries in Western Europe, but it is expected that quite a lot of uh, reset, you know, a lot of bankruptcies and so on and so forth might actually bring up unemployment, as we discussed mm. last week. The unemployment, yes. while unemployment is low, right? It's actually the fact that there was a lot of open positions, but now there's almost none. So apparently, uh, right, something is getting smaller mm. basically here. Yeah. And there's a bunch of other stuff. So the situation is quite frankly unclear. Um, okay. Whatever it is, um, it feels kind of weary. And, and every every news article, every media is just trying to speculate what will happen, right? And uh, I think it's very interesting because since also we started this, right, we always look at the news all week. And I always see kind of like some news about Chinese tourists and what they're going to do. Um, but I just feel it's always different. So I have just started skipping it, I think. <laughs> so I'm actually really glad that you're um, picking it up again. Cause... Yeah, we previously, if you remember, we looked at how there was... Basically, first two quarters of this year, it was mostly negative that nobody's coming back and it's going to be a delay and there's still lockdown and so on and so forth. Mm, exactly. Um, now... The lockdown is gone, and maybe they are coming, and the survey shows that they are coming. And but <laughs> it almost feels like when an episode of Game of Thrones, you know, is the winter coming? <laughs> what is going on? No, everybody's waiting for them to 
yeah. to, to spend their hard-earned cash. To invest, yeah. Uh, interesting. All right, all right. I have the next piece of news that I'm really excited to talk about with you. And it's from apartment service to hotels. And in the news, it stated that Sonder has launched its first hotel collection called Powered by Sonder, which includes already 23 unique design hotels. Um, which are the hotels, the full hotels are going to be operated by Sonder. So um, I guess most everyone knows what Sonder does. They did apartments before with a tech that you could enter with key codes. But now they're taking up with portal hotels, including F&B and spas. And I mean, we spoke about Sonder in the past and they were not doing very well. Um, their stock price plumped and they were having massive layoffs so do you think this is the way how they're kind of reinventing themselves i mean it to me sounds like a right some a long-term goal of any of the the tech sort of uh, hotel startups right you, you, you build the finalized tech stack and then you can give it to the masses right so maybe that's that's what they're trying to do uh actually referencing back to your comment on the stock Price they're still at sixty cents per <laughs> per stock. Uh, they were at around ten dollars when they did the IPO, um, so it's still pretty damn low. Meaning uh, the the confidence of the of the investors isn't there yet. But um, I mean, this definitely will give them the opportunity to grow. But I don't think honestly to, that they were limiting themselves, were they? Right? The, you are now a bit familiar with Zonder and their growth in Europe. They were snagging up any opportunity they could on any property in Europe. So, yeah, but I mean, the focus, the focus was on efficiency and not on customer experience, right? It was okay, it needs to be a nice room and it needs to be efficient to get in the apartment, but there was never a focus on F&B. And part of, I think that was that, like the Lime Homes and the Numas of this world, they run the rooms. That they kind of don't do F and B, so the fact that they start suddenly take over all the hotels, I am interested to see how that's going to work because that has also been one of a competitive advantage, right? In general, in Europe, F and B um, has smaller margins than just rooms, so it just doesn't sound like a extremely innovative. No, yeah, innovative. I think it makes sense because it's kind of like strategic. It makes sense. But I, look, if you follow the words, right, powered by Sonder, that means they're not really fully running it. So there'll still be, I mean, we're, we're speculating here, right, at this point, but Completely. by the words, so it sounds like that they will basically give the tech stack to whoever is the hotel operator, maybe give them support revenue management and so on and so forth. So in effect, what they're doing is what Oyo's vision was, right? Uh, if, for those of you who don't know, Oyo is a giant uh, hotel uh, startup from India. At some point in 2019, they had almost 500,000 units worldwide. And the whole goal was to just go to tiny B&Bs, basically give them a PMS software, give them a revenue software, give them a housekeeping software, something these hotels never had before, run for them the revenue management and give a bit of ops support, right? And that allowed them to explode and become number one in China and number one in India and grow in Europe and the United States. 
the only issue was that they were basically growing too quickly, right? From six, oh. I think in six years, they literally went from zero to 500,000 units, which is pretty intense. Um, but in effect, their model was extremely effective, right? There's a million different tiny B&B and hotel operators that need support and need tech stacks and need to have an understanding and need to be able to optimize their revenue. So, so um, you think it's the growth of tech stack pretty much? They're just selling their tech stack. Why wouldn't they? Why, why, would they, why else would they call it powered by Sonder, right? Fair point. It will be just Sonder, right? Otherwise, so that means there probably is still some I mean, stuff on site that maybe they don't manage. But we'll see, right? It might be that they actually genuinely just going into more traditional hotels. Uh, whatever it is, it's definitely a more interesting path or a change of a change of direction that might help them out. We'll yeah, see. I just feel like yeah, exactly. Whether it's just a tech stack or they actually like want to to grow as one of hotels powered by Sonder. Interesting. I think whatever it is, I hope they have fixed the issue of uh, acquiring property for way too much money, right? Exactly, not being able to pay it down. I think we've seen a few, we've seen a few articles uh, of them from Skift, how they basically uh, were overbidding uh, competition and so on and so forth. So Sometimes um, growth is growth is number one goal. Well, that's when you your company usually you fails. You get you to pay competitive rents, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I was just looking at their stock price. Oh, still 60 cents. Okay, well, maybe next time. <clears throat> I think we can move on. <laughs> yes, we're moving on to one more of yours. Um, I really want to hear about hotel development costs are following the rest of the economy. Thank you. You don't have to read the the, the articles exactly. Uh, this is a working. I'm draft. not reading out the. I'm not reading. I'm just reading the headlines. Sure, sure. No, I mean, you know, those are a working draft usually. But well, no. you should then do better drafts because it's good. F fair enough, Miriam. Thank you for your straightforwardness. <laughs> uh, no, so I found um, for, uh, HVS right is a pretty good source of um, I think valuable content here and there. Uh, this week we they posted a survey once again. Right, I feel like I'm. Uh, talking a lot about service this week, but basically they looked at to I think um, correctly if I'm wrong, forty six <laughs> forty six uh, different developments right across the United States, and they were looking into what's going on with the development costs right, and um, mm. this is not really a right it's it's not a cause of anything it's more of a side effect of what's going on in the economy now, so if for those of you who don't know right uh, what happened for the past three years in effect is. Uh, there were cheap loans, cheap interest rates. There was high investment because of it. Uh, yet at the same time, there was a shortage of labor due to mostly demographics, right? And as a result, basically, the development costs have skyrocketed. Now, what's going on now is um, those side effects are subsiding. Uh, well, at least some. So first of all, loans are not cheap anymore. Developments have gone down. And what the survey shows is basically that the development costs are going down as well with it, which is uh, pretty interesting, right? I mean, it, it goes hand in hand with the news that inflation is finally going down. And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's just, it's all connected, right? Construction costs are part of that in a way, even though they work slightly differently, probably. Well, at least there mm -hmm. is inflation of construction costs as well. So, um, I mean... An additional reason why developments have been going down, yeah, I mean, you said it, but right, because interest rates were increasing, but people were also not ready to sell their property at the discount that would be required in order to make a profit with a development. Um, so in Germany, pretty much pro projects, yeah, 
developers have had a very tough time um, yep. in the past uh, year. Sometimes they also started building, but nobody would actually buy it from them for the amount that they've calculated three years ago. Um, so they have definitely been a little bit in crisis. So what you're saying is that if that the prices of construction is going down, which is good news. And it's normalizing the, the, the market, right, to, to, to some extent. Mm. We'll see how it goes, but uh, in effect, uh, cost by room is uh, is going down across all the board. And um, for those who are interested, we'll provide the links as always in the description. There's a full breakdown of, well, right, the, the article itself says, take it with a grain of salt, right? This is not very representative. There's not 100,000 different samples of data, only 46 uh, or even maybe 43. Uh, properties or developments. Uh, nonetheless, it shows you what's currently the cost. And if this is happening in the United States, usually Europe goes hand in hand with similar effects. That means, yeah, we've uh, seen the same. And also, this goes pretty interesting uh, with what you have uh, raised a few weeks ago as well. That right, the, the the new usually a new invent. There's about two three percent of new inventory coming out every year. Right. This year, they expected to have about a 1% additional new inventory. Mm. It has mm -hmm. dropped. But if you see the graph, once again, if you go to the link, you can see that, you know, up to 2019, it was kind of going on average, right, 2 3%. And then it dropped instantly in 2022. And then, sorry, 2021. And then 2022, it just went up crazy amount, like 4 or 5%. So mm. kind of, it, this is just basically market stabilizing. But... Right for those of you who <laughs> who just want to be part of the normal world, and and this is I think positive news, right? Uh, mm. Things are going back to quote unquote normal. Back to normal, in quotation marks. That's correct. I mean, so I I found a piece of news that I want to talk to you as well, because you love All right, Hopper. Let's, let's let's do the the next news. Oh, oh next news. Okay. Yes. In case people um, are still confused, we're moving on from HVS. <laughs> We get it, you don't like development costs. Let's go on to I, I No, I love development. Actually, I think this is really interesting. That was a very interesting piece of news. I liked it. Very interesting. Because I actually just, anyway. Fair enough, fair enough. Let's move on. Um, and I want to talk about Hopper, because you like Hopper so much. And then has been big news that Expedia has been breaking up with Hopper. And I was like, hey, how does that work? Um, but I figured out that Expedia kind of um, shared their inventory with, inventory with Hopper. And so Hopper would be able yeah, to have access to Expedia. But they stopped um, that partnership because Expedia excused, accused Hopper of having anti-consumer fintech products. Um, so now the market kind of discussed or was discussing about how that, how that would be how Hopper would be impacted by that. Um, and it seems like Hopper is pretty confident to kind of keep growing. They have started um, uh, things like having content creators uploading their own data and so on and so forth. What is your take? Do you think that breakup between Hopper and Expedia is good or bad for Hopper? I think it's great. Okay. Expedia is an old giant that needs to be taken down, like Google and a bunch of other tech companies, right? <laughs> At a certain point, innovation stops, and it's just uh, basically making sure uh, you collect the rent, 
right? That's mm -hmm. kind of the economic term, right? It's when you, you're not really adding value. Well, it mostly comes from the sort of, the, well, it technically comes from <laughs> Karl Marx, but I don't really take his decision side of things generally, but right, certain companies, uh, they've grabbed a certain piece of land and all they do after, you know, for decades is just collect rent without any innovation, right? So they basically mm. just collect the profits of something they did uh, a while back, whatever, it was this network or some technology, whatever. And to me, Expedia is just one of those companies now. And by the way, which is interesting to me, right? Uh, since we found out about Hopper, right? For those who don't know, it's basically a kind of a, a new kind of OTA channel where you can book hotels and um, whatever you want, really. Uh, cars, Yeah, hotel. but what's the difference? You need to say what's the difference between Hopper and Expedia, for example. As we looked in uh, last week, right? It was um, basically they try to do a lot of uh, bookings that can be canceled without any reason. They provide you a lot more insight into pricing. They provide you a lot more details as to, you know, being able to change your booking. So they're basically yeah. giving you the tools to actually just book without the casual worrying of, oh my God, I've misspelled my name. I have to run to the airport right now and stand in the queue for three hours <laughs> to make sure that I have a correct name or that will not let me in. <laughs> and then I have to pay 50 euros to change one letter, right? So they're kind of going against that. At least that's my feeling to it, right? They have a very clear list of things that they're offering as well on their website. But me and you and a few other friends of ours have started using it because of us finding about this wonderful OTA. And I've heard mixed, uh, mixed feedback. <laughs> I personally... I, so yeah, I was reading. So let me just quickly jump in here because I, you know, I was, as I said, I, I, I wasn't, I didn't know that much about Hopper before, and I wanted to figure out what they do. So they, you can actually, um, you have, you can do a price freeze. So you can actually freeze the price and then buy it at a later stage for the price that you saw it for, which I think is very cool. And yeah, the cancellations that you say, blah blah blah. And they also say they're much more intuitive in their booking, um, in their UX design and in the user experience. And I went on the app and I was just so confused. I was like, hmm. <laughs> so I was just overwhelmed. So I, I don't know if that is a big USP that they have. Well, well, that's the difference between me and you because I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I, I, no. Yeah, I, I, that's why I found a 25-year really? flight, flight to Milan and it was not offered anywhere else. Yeah, I was like, I was on I was on the app for a few minutes and I was just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going back on my laptop to book the way I did before. <laughs> You're going to call your travel agent in the, oh wait, it's already after six so they're sleeping. <laughs> So too oh my late. God, I shouldn't have told you this. Oh God, yes. <laughs> what but okay, that? I hear your I hear your opinion about that you are you think that it's great that um, Hopper and Expedia broke up. And even the market is saying pretty similar things. I think Uber has made a big deal with Hopper, right? That people were kind of expecting that um, Expedia was going to have uh, the Uber deal, but somehow they didn't act on it, and. So, Hopper on the rise. Mish, I am so sorry. Did you have one more important topic? Because we're at 30 minutes. That's okay. I think we can steal a bit more time from our beloved listeners. Let's go okay. for it. One last piece of news before we close this week. One. I think it goes in hand, hand, hand in hand, goes hand in hand with your previous uh, piece of news about Zonder. Uh, it's actually an interview with uh, the, one of the co-founders of Bob W., Oh, yes. So for those of you, dear listeners, who don't know what Bob W is, it's another 
cool uh, hotel startup, basically similar to uh, Lemhom, Numa, Sonder, right? All they do is, well, not all, but all they try to do is they create uh, creating an apartment hotel experience, uh, full digitalized check-in, all of that, cool design, sort of modern, uh, targeting sort of the idea of digital nomads and so on and so forth. So the interview with the co-founder, right? To me, it was obviously slightly... Uh, PR-like. <laughs> First of all, it didn't. I'm not sure if the if it was an actual interview because in text it looks like somebody just prepared a perfect answer for every single uh, mm. question. Nonetheless, um, pretty interesting so far. So basically, Bob W. Founder explained, uh, amongst other questions, what are these that they're doing and how, what is their goal and how they're trying to succeed. And at, at their core, they're basically saying that they want to, you know, blah, 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 create a perfect product, create the perfect apartment. But it, uh, for example, what he said is that the average NPS score is around 86 across the board, which is pretty 86. crazy. Yes. Uh, Sonder was actually recently, I think, uh, well, well, not recently, maybe half a year ago, bragging on about how they have 56. <laughs> Oh, okay. So uh, 86 is a pretty, pretty, pretty good number. I was good then go- doing a bit of a personal mini survey, looking up their booking.com p- uh, pages and mm-hmm. entries of different hotels. Indeed, some of them are pretty high. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I didn't do a full <laughs> data representation mm-hmm. of every single hotel, but a 9.4 out of 10 That's was kind of common with the hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes on into basically things that, you know, most hotel, most hotel chains similar to, to what W are doing. They're creating their own tech stack and so on and so forth but it's pretty interesting um i feel like that there's currently like this run towards sort of creating a new hotel chain or um, a new hotel concept mm-hmm. and the old chains seem to be at least so far not really up to uh doing anything there maybe they'll start snatching up some of these chains but so did let's you, say no. i mean bob w bought charlie group did they speak about that as well? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he yeah. said they, they were asking the founder if um, basically if you're planning to buy any more, uh, mm-hmm. and he answered with a non with a non answer by basically saying, yeah, oh, maybe not, maybe yes, maybe no, right? Kind of, kind of. <laughs> you don't know, right? <laughs> they they're growing. Uh, I think what he did say at the end, which maybe implies that they will not buy anything anymore, is that uh, basically eighty percent of investment uh, or investment funds. Mm-hmm. That, let's say so there was 100% available last year and it went down by 80% of how much ah. cash is out there open to invest into businesses like Bob W. So he's basically stating that uh, whatever it is, it's going to be pretty tough for anybody to to get any money raise for their funds. business. Yeah, to raise funds. So, Ooh. Well. They did recently raise, I think, $21 million, So I guess they still have a few years before they run out uh, by buying up uh, Deals that way I mean, they just bought a company. I don't know for how much, maybe. I'm sure yeah. a little bit of that money went there. As we all, idea. as we all know, mergers and acquisitions always go well. So I'm sure they're going to benefit from that. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much, Miriam. Conversa- for this conversation. I think we've. Uh, next week. Yeah, I think we've summarized the, the week pretty good. So I guess see you next week. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.